So hello everybody. We're going to begin with a little alignment. Oh, somebody fixes the volume. But let's just drop in, let go of your day for a minute and uh, and come into connection. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so welcome um, back to Mercury Transmissions. I wanna acknowledge that we have, um, we've gone through a bit of a portal or a door from a field of curiosity and interest into one of commitment. So first of all, I just want to kind of acknowledge that portal and then say something about that commitment. So. This isn't a place anymore to be from a place of curiosity and it's interesting and you know, it's actually a, you're entering into a field. Even saying that mo many of us won't make it on the journey. In other words, people will, will fall out because we're entering into something that's energetic and energetic reality. So you were saying in this transmission, he's asking for the commitment, not because he needs it, or because it's like an inclusion exclusion thing or a cult or any of those things the commitment is because something moves when humans move their will so when human beings use their most precious gift that lives at the core of their soul which is their will when they move it the universe moves if you don't move it if you're there to curious maybe let's see then it won't happen for you so if you haven't gone through the process of seriously considering whether you are called to this and created the altar and made the, got the journal and done the dedication, then, you know, kind of last amnesty one. This is a good time not to be in this field, okay? And it's not because you're not special or important or included. It's because it's a field of experimentation with fire and as many of you will already know who have gone through that process 
over the last two weeks, already energy begins to move. So have you experienced that? Maybe just give me a, your hands or something if you've experienced something shift as a result of making a commitment. Okay, great. So that's got to do with the powers of the human will to orient themselves to, to, to up self-direction and align your self-direction with powers that are really moving. So I think it was Jung who said, we are moved by powers we pretend to understand. That we have this kind of illusion of a separate identity and will, and we think that we're masters of our own universe, but we're actually being played by great archetypal forces that you know, are prepared to let us stay with our illusion. But if we want to surrender the illusion and dance by something greater than our self-will, there's an opportunity. So this is such a field now. And I was trying to think of like a way of talking into what is this really? Because it's actually a field where we're incredibly um, fortunate in many ways to have access to a being, you know, I'm gonna call it a being, um, who is a Chohan, a member of Shambhala, a member of the dark light reservoir of the world. And there's so much glamour around the idea of contact with beings, bodhisattvas, buddhas, ascenders, masters, and so on, because we still imagine them as if it was us, like an individual. Um, but the thing is, these beings, once they get to that level, they're not an individual. Okay, and DK said to me once, like, I know I don't exist, and you still think you do. That's the difference between us. And the analogy for me would be like, it's like a tree talking to the forest, okay? That the forest is a being. Like if you, if you looked at a forest, each tree has got its own David life, its own soul. But the forest has a soul. And the soul of the forest is not just a big tree. Like tiny Mahuta or a big tree in the forest, they might be able to channel the soul of the forest, but they're not the soul of the forest. The being that is the soul of the forest has given up being a tree. They've given up being a physically embodied tree in order to be the soul of the whole forest. Okay, so when we're dealing with, you know, a being that's like bringing us on that impression, we're dealing with the soul of the forest. And he's asking for this experiment to have a group of trees who want to talk to the forest. Okay, and not just gather around one tree who's connected to the forest, but all of the trees start to find their connection to the forest. Because for the Aquarian age to come into being and for group life to really operate, each person needs their own antenna connected to the void energy which dances us all. Some people have it more than others, but each person to be an Aquarian group needs that connection. So he's offering in this training to help generate a field where that energy of the dark light pours in and accelerates and strengthens everyone's individual journey as a tree, but just as a byproduct of the world's soul expressing its true hands. And that groups like the mandalas and, and these groups that like chakras or wheels that that 
greater forest of the world soul or cosmic soul is able to pour into humanity. And we all get accelerated in that process as part of the Aquarian process of group initiation. So that's the first thing is just that conversation about what is this thing of contacting a being that is supporting us and only supporting us, not in like a, your teacher at school who like cares about you individually. How are you, Victor or, you know, Xavier? Like, how's it going in your life? That's somebody who has uh, also a personal self who's interested in your personal self. Impersonality is not that, that this being doesn't care. They just don't have a personal self to interact with personal selves anymore. They're not capable of being interacted with in that way. And even though our glamour around masters and so on is we paint pretty pictures of them and make them look beautiful and radiant and so on, and they live somewhere in the Himalayas, but that's just illusion because we need someone close to us. Just like if we're looking at aliens, we need an alien somehow that's humanoid because, because then we can relate to them. Otherwise, they'd be weird. So a master is not an, a human that's just bright. They're, they're an archetypal being that whose, whose identity has become way too big for being a human anymore. They're superhuman, they're archetypal, they hold great fields like the beaver of the Amazon rather than a tree. It's not another tree to talk to. So therefore you can't contact it on a one-on-one -on -one individual level. You contact it as part of group and only, it's only interesting groups as they are interested in the world. It's not interested in your personal process. It's interested in the process of the evolution of Earth and soul of Earth landing through human beings. So to the extent that you line up with that, you have those flows anyway. Okay, everybody who is in line with that, one of the powerful ways of working with the will is to align your will to take responsibility for the planet as a whole being, and then these archetypal forces begin to dance through you. But this is a specific experiment of a whole bunch of trees coming together at the beginning of the Aquarian age and saying, well, actually, there is a process that actually can accelerate everybody's development by using the dark light if we're willing to do it together. And when we do it together, we, we allow the, the impressions of these energies that are sourced on much more vibrant levels to come into our field. And that's like playing with fire. It actually accelerates everybody's consciousness. And that's what I gave us or a couple of weeks ago, ways to have more or less to position yourself with the right temperature and distance from the fire so that it just heats you enough and doesn't burn you out and all of that. Okay, so it's not about inclusion, exclusion and being special and chosen and all of that. It's about actually being where you're supposed to be. If this is what your soul is, is on the planet to do, then this is the perfect thing. If it's just, you know, you love this person and they're doing it, well then that's not a good reason. A good reason is because your soul is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm up for this. And then even then we'll find some things will be too much and we'll withdraw or some things will be not enough and we'll want to go deeper. There's no judgment on the personal, not because we don't have personal selves that judge each other, we do, but because this process is not personal. There's nothing to do with the individual's journey in this process. And that's been a huge educational move that hierarchy have had to make 
over the last two or 300 years. From when they first taught human beings, they taught them like, you know, like you're at school and you've got a good, and, and the master's like a good school teacher who will like, you know, help you take initiation and grow and expand your awareness because that's what the Piscean model was looking for. We were looking for individual achievement. But as the Aquarian age begins to break, we're realizing that actually individuality is a huge addiction of the Piscean age. And it's probably the greatest addiction that's holding humanity stuck. Everybody with their own Facebook page, everyone with their own identity, everyone with their own five-year plan, everyone with their own agenda to get the perfect relationship, everybody like selling life coaching work to each other to be a better individual. That whole thing is over in Aquarius. That's Piscean. And of course, it's going to take a few hundred years for it to be over. It's not just going to be over because we say it. So, but the discipline of letting yourself feel how much more it is to be a forest shining through a tree rather than a tree in the forest. Okay. So the next, you know, piece that he opened with was um, uh, that commitment at the beginning that he gave us, you know, back in April saying, if you say yes um, to aligning your will with the greater will, things begin to move. And what moves in you is life force, which the feeling of it in your being is thrilling. You start to thrill with life, to thrive with life. Because the more you align yourself with that life, the more that life can flow through. And he said that the, the, the images crowning says that the two crowning which is kind of interesting because coronavirus is crown right so the world's going through a crowning and um he says that one crowning is when a baby is born out of the base center of a woman so that the, the crown is when the head first comes out and the other crown is the crown center so it's kind of like the queen and the king and both of these crownings are like acts of love because there's a dedication in both of them and the will requires will to birth a baby and it requires will to be a monarch so the king and queen come together in the heart and he says this this image of what's happening on the planet is the image of both birth is the birth of a civilization so it's not just a baby being born it's a whole civilization that's crowning now that's being born and at the same time how that civilization is governed and guided has got to do with the, um, the guidance from spiritual governance and the source of where wisdom comes from. And he said the image of that is the crown, but the Piscean model was like one savior, like Jesus coming born to be a king whose kingdom was not of this world and then crucified. And the alchemists, their job was to turn lead into gold in a crucible. So all of that journey of the last 2000 years has been the journey of trying to bring about the soul to, to all of the mystery schools were dedicated to the soul. And the image of that is gold and the sun and Leo, that whole thing of like out of lead, bring forth the gold. So the crown is a crown of gold. And within that crown, uh, diamonds or, and gems and he said okay so if you could see the symbolism of that on the world soul 
that the world has produced enough gold. You know, and even the, the old ideas of like the Anunnaki or whoever it was here to mine gold, like all of that is a symbol for the soul of the world trying to turn the, the lead of um, physical incarnation into the gold of the soul. So if you could see earth from the inner worlds, you'd see the crown of gold, that there is enough of the world's soul emerged through the last few thousand years of initiatory practice that there is a golden field of earth. You could call that the field of light or the web of light workers and all of those people working with the golden energy have created this field of light. And he says, what is needed now in an Aquarian crowning is the gold of the whole crown of the planet needs to be filled of diamonds. And what diamonds are is initiates. They're people whose causal body has opened to reveal the jewel. So you imagine the world soul as this golden crown and within it, many, many, many diamonds or gems of other colors that are able to transmit this energy of life force. Okay, so it's not just an individual process being mnemonic, it's the soul of humanity being um, harvested and the diamond souls, he says that an, what an initiate is called at a high level is the diamond soul. And you can see this in Jung's work, you can see it in the Hindu and traditions, that, that the idea of the jewel at the core of the human soul, the octahedron, this is the, the soul in between in the pressures or said that you can't take initiation unless you come into a body because coming into the body provides enough tension and pressure for the soul to actually have to choose and use its will and create out of the experience a victory of the human spirit over the heavy processes and the gravity of incarnation okay so what an initiate is is a diamond soul there's somebody who's causal body has opened to reveal the jewel in the lotus and it's the jewel that channels this energy of light out of the darkness so he gave us this um this beautiful heart uh, process a few weeks ago saying that the three centers that respond to the dark are the base and the crown and the heart and if you go astrologically vulcan is rules the crown and Pluto the base and if you bring the arrow that comes down of Vulcan and the arrow that comes up of Pluto you create the diamond in the heart and there's a door in the heart and that door opens through the core abandonment wound with a piece of our embodied soul stops seeking love outside of itself and calls out to our 360 degree soul that hasn't incarnated for help through that abandonment wound instead of seeking it outside that sets up again relationship between the core of your heart your embodied soul and the core of your soul and the monad because the monad is connected through the sutra so he says if you get it then you get that the core of your earth is your heart okay that you come in through the heart and you extend yourself up into consciousness and down and through the core of the heart you go so the first awakening for the body embodied soul is the recognition that your heart is a door and that 
in, in the core of that door is your connection to soul. And when you no longer abandon yourself now, then you can fully arrive as a soul. So one part of the work, and particularly the tantric and embodied work, is landing as a soul, coming fully present, bringing all of you here so that you are shown up on earth as a soul. Okay, that's half of it. The other half is, you know, no down the return. Unless you fully arrive, you can't leave. Okay, you can't just hover near the circle, like waiting for the conditions to be better and the Christ to return and, and or we elect a better prime minister or something and then you'll come later. Like the return of the Christ, the return of your soul is an individual choice when you decide I'm fully in. Not just fully into this group, I'm fully into my own body, I'm fully into life, I'm fully into being here, whatever the cost. I'm not going to, you know, hide, I'm in. So the irony is that commitment leads to freedom. Okay, that, that fully in is, allows you to be free, allows the soul to be free and pop into the causal field. If you haven't been fully in, then the kind of freedom you have is the freedom that comes from not arriving yet. Okay, so there's a difference between like pre and trans commitment. There's pre-commitment, which is like, let me wait, keep all my options open and, and see. And then trans commitment, trans comes after you're all in and you've committed beyond what you know as a soul, you're now at risk because you're here fully in the world. The, the, the body is waiting for that. When the soul makes that commitment, then the body lets it go free. And now the soul can pop into the causal field at will. So yes, you can be fully embodied 100% here, but you can also pop into the causal field and rest there. So just like your heart is the center of your chakra system, it's the middle principle of the sevenfold system, the causal body at the heart of your soul is the heart of the monad. It's the heart of the monadic system, which includes five planes. So your, your chakra system is just on the lowest plane, your etheric body. Then there's the astral plane. Then there's the mental plane. Then there's the buddhic plane, then there's the atmic. These five planes and five initiations are just this one thing that's happening from the planet's point of view. So if you can get into the causal body, not hip. We'll be back.
and then pin this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we had a little glitch there, but um, I'm back. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, the causal body is the the heart of the monadic sheath. So if you can get into the causal body, then what these transmissions are going to do now is a field of beings who are able to activate their jewels. So somebody with a fully open jewel. So you imagine, you know, this golden ball above your head where the soul sets up resonance. So this is not the astral plane. So the first place you go when you leave the body, which is mainly when you escape, is into the astral. This is in the mental plane and the abstract mental plane. So there's a causal body there. When you can consciously in meditation sit within the causal body, then the real lotus position is sitting in the lotus. And when you sit in the lotus, then gradually these petals unfold. They unfold as soul qualities. So people can have like a very unfolded lotus and not be aware of it because they're fully in their body and they're still going through their soul awakening um, or not. But the process of awakening goes is, is in three ways. So you, you can just live life and live, living life will eventually over many incarnations result karmically in learning the lessons that earth has to teach you. Or you can awaken more fast through soul consciousness. So this is the, the process mainly in this cycle on earth, which is you get help, you get um, solar radiation from other souls that support your opening of your petals, raising of consciousness. But the third way is you go directly to the life force because inside the soul, the petals are a radiation of your soul ray. But the jewel is an expression of your monadic ray. So the revelation of the jewel in the center of your causal body is the same thing as the beginning of the revelation of your monad. Okay, so, and you can awaken the jewel through an act of will. Okay, because the will, the, the jewel connects to the monad, if you call forth that energy, it will help open the causal body from within. Okay, because the jewel has got access to electric fire and lightning, and that can pop the causal body open. It's like the difference between Sirius that burns out in 20 million years and our sun that takes 5 billion years. That burn rate has got to do with whether or not your will is invoking the life. If you're orienting to the life principle and you're calling, even if your jewel's still closed and you're calling through the jewel, you'll start to have that pressure on the inside of your soul to awaken, which is the beginning of soul supernova. And it gives this beautiful meditation that we might do later of like beginning to imagine the group field as a group of lotuses that are under the sun and their petals opening. But then as the jewel in the center of the whole field begins to send up a beam of blue-white plasma to a black hole. So this is the way you can access monadic energy through your consciousness. There's the sutratma through the back of your heart, 
but through awareness, you can also call down the fire that supernovas the soul. So what that looks like is you get up into your causal body, you, you know, do the work in a group field to help the jewel begin to be revealed. And that's a long piece of work it, to, to like alchemy. It's the great work to produce the diamond soul as a work of lifetimes. But because of this acceleration and because of the group process, we're able to do that work faster. So the image is the causal body, a field of gold, petals, three layers of petals like rose, as they open, they reveal the jewel. The jewel then sends up this leader, this blue-white plasma, the sound actually of your monadic soul ray. And he says, when he uses the word colors, that it's not like we imagine physical colors. What the color is, is like a, it's a taste or a quality of soul. So every personality ray is a sub-ray of your soul and your soul is a sub-ray of your monad. You can imagine, you know, again, like the forest and then grove and then tree. So your personal self is a sub-ray of your soul. Maybe you can imagine your soul living through seven lives at once and you're just one of them. And your monad living through seven soul incarnations at once. So it said that your when when the monad when the light of the monad breaks out, it's a sevenfold light, and it's uh, a light called light supernal, and it's not the golden light of the soul. It's electric blue white. It's a synthesis of all of the rays, and where this light comes from is the atmic plane. So just as the mental plane has a higher and lower manas. So the mental plane, which is the fifth plane, is a bridge between your soul and your personality. And that bridge has a concrete mind and an abstract mind. So when people are doing their mental awakening work, they oscillate from the concrete mind, which is like, you know, whatever is real and scientific materialism is pure concrete mind. And it's also full of the, why don't you get a job and be realistic? Abstract mind will take you into sacred geometry and talking to, you know, abstract things. It's where Einstein lived. He lived in abstract mind with great thought experiments, right? That's abstract mind. He discovered the theory of relativity in abstract mind. It wasn't concrete science. It was brought down eventually into concrete science. So we all have this, wrestle on our mental plane between identifying with our concrete mind, which is of the personality, and our soul mind, which is where wisdom comes from, which is the, the kind of knowing of the mind. So as we replace abstract mind with concrete mind, then the soul is able to more fully bridge between the realms of the triad and the realms of the personality. Okay, so next big step, and let's just stay with me here, like we're gonna get into the practicality of it later. But the next big step is the atmic plane, which is the fifth plane or the third down, is also dual. And it's the plane where the monad and the soul meet. Just like the mental plane is where the soul and the personality meet. So the whole of the monad, the whole top three planes, you could say is dark. Okay, and so just like on the mental plane, there is the light of the soul and the light of mind both meet. 
they battle for a while and then the light of the mind surrenders to the light of the soul. On the atmic plane, that's where darkness and light meet. Okay, the lower three subplanes of the atmic plane are pure white light, that blue white fire, and the upper three are dark. So it's like the atmic plane is the event horizon of the black hole. You know, you've seen the black holes that send out these great jets of plasma. So the atmic plane is the bridge between the black hole and the beginnings of light, which then breaks into the seven colors and into the rays and all of those things. So what your jewel is doing is sending up a beam of that blue-white plasma, the soul ray energy of the monad, monadic ray energy, into its source, which is your own monad, or in a planetary sense, Shambhala. Shambhala is the planetary monad, the great black hole where that reservoir is. So as that energy goes up, it calls forth from the body on the atmic plane, just like you've got a causal body on the mental plane, you have an energy body on the atmic plane, which is a reservoir of that dark light. When you call it into manifestation, it appears as that blue-white fire, which is electricity, which thrills the jewel. Okay, so this is, he's giving us the actual technical energy process of connecting with monad. One way is through when you're fully embodied in your body through the back of your heart center. The next way is when you can expand your awareness so that your crown is now the atmic plane and your base is now the physical body. Then the diamond soul is the heart of that whole system. And just like you can galvanize this heart with crown and base energy, boom, you can galvanize and electrify your jewel through the integration of the matter of the body and the dark light at, on the top three subplanes of Atma. They now become your base and crown when you're sitting in the causal body. And by using that duality, you can electrify and supernova the soul. So this is a process that can happen in the individual, but in a group field, it can also accelerate everybody's soul evolution. So um, the next things to get actually are that if, if you think of, you know, you see how the rays talk about there's a triplicity and then the third breaks into four, that really there's only the top three planes from the monadic perspective. And beings that are deeply anchored in the monadic plane like decay, are no longer really aware of what's happening in the lower five planes because they, they're resting inside the black hole. Okay, so when you come out though, the first thing that comes out of the black hole is the third aspect of the monad, which is will. And there's an abstract will and a concrete will, just like there's an abstract mind and a concrete mind. Abstract will stays dark. Okay, it's, it's will, but it's not will for anything. It's not trying to achieve anything. It's just will, it's power. So on the atmic plane, that will divides. One half goes down and becomes your kundalini. And the other half rests on the atmic plane. So it's the same energy, but one has gone down into your base and one has stayed up 
on the atmic plane. And you as the soul in between these two energies have to bring them together. That's the great work. The great work of the soul is to be caught between two opposites and to embrace them both. Not to oscillate between them or choose one over the other, but to recognize that in your choosing of them both, you dissolve the duality. So this is a higher duality between the atmic plane and the body. And he says, once Kundalini rises, which begins to destroy the causal body, then there's a direct relationship between the top three subplanes of Atma and the three levels of your physical body. So this is beneath your etheric and your chakras and Kundalini. You're now talking about the matter of air, the blood in your veins, the physical tissues and atoms. And he said, what these are, is there a fuel that you can't use? Okay, that the matter of your bodies is fuel. This is where the black dragon lives. It's fuel that you can't use as a soul and you can't master. Okay, because what that stuff is, is it's the, the, the same as what's at the higher levels of the atmic plane. Okay, so you, the soul is not strong enough to master dark. There's a dark in matter and there's a dark in spirit and the soul can't control the dark. The soul can only surrender to the dark moving through the soul and at oneing through the core of it. Okay, so the jewel in the lotus is that place at the core of the soul that has to allow the dark of matter and the dark of spirit to come together. And he says this is... Um, this is an important piece in group process because just as we can get deeply accelerated by coming into a field of fire and allow the lightning to dance through the jewels, it will also accelerate your process and it will accelerate the uprising of all of your unprocessed psychological material. Okay, which means that you know a group can have one hit and then process forever or. <coughs> you can also have an accelerated way of working with what comes up. And he says that what comes up has to be understood as fuel. And he gives the image, you know, that, that he gave in occult cosmology is that if a civilization like a planet is able to return like through connection to a black hole, so the origin of consciousness is realized its source, then it's experienced on earth as the coming of the group avatar, the coming of the dark light of the Aquarian age, landing the miracle of the world soul. But he said it's also registered in the monad, in the black hole as a returning dragon. Okay, so he said what lives down in your body in the matter, not just the Kundalini, but in the matter is that dragon. And that dragon can never be defeated by your soul. No matter how many times you read about St. George and the Dragon and everything else, you cannot defeat the matter with soul energy. Okay? It needs to be passed through the soul and that energy actually helps destroy the soul so that the soul becomes a bridge between the darkness of spirit and the darkness of matter. So he said, 
resist, if, if you start putting electricity into a group field, then it's going to up, up's going to come all of the resistance. And on the planet, you know, we have this Pluto-Saturn transit, like as electricity is coming in and the world's soul is landing, up is rising, all of the rebellion and all of the parts of us. He said, the first thing you do is don't try to control it. Don't try to repress it. Don't try to master it. Don't try to process it in the group. Pass it through the center of the soul. He can use it. Shambhala can use it. We can't use it. It's no good to us. And there's no way of mastering it without consciousness anyway. It doesn't belong. It's not in this, it, it doesn't belong in the soul's domain because it didn't come from the soul's domain. It was spirit that dropped down into matter, not part of the soul. So he says that this is as simple as, you know, and he gives us later this thing of um, creating an altar and that every week his suggestion is put on your altar, I want the best of you and the worst of you. I want your best and worst on the altar. So on the altar, put your achievements, your greatest genius, your like all of the stuff that you want to claim credit for, like give it back to where it really came from, which is spirit. I want your best. And I also want your worst. The things you're most ashamed of that you've never been able to shift. The fact that you still haven't been able to figure out how to, to like master some desire or, you know, some addiction or something. I want the most shameful, depraved, darkest parts of yourself. I want them on the altar. Because that fuel, that fuel can be used. So you can't master them. You can't repress them. You can't control them. Put them on the altar once a week. They will come up. And, you know, they're there anyway. But when you shine bright electric light into your field, everything gets revealed. This is the light which shocks. And the first thing it shocks is it shocks you. Shocks you just how dark, like in the darkness of iniquity, you are. And one of the most difficult things when you come under impression from higher, higher sources is the realization that you are entirely visible. No matter what cleverness you do to hide pieces of yourself away, you know, even from the group soul, you can hide from the group soul for a while, although the group soul is getting pretty good, but you can't hide from Shambhala. The dark light penetrates everything. And it's not like anyone's looking in trying to see. It's not that. It's just like you can't hide. And so if you're trying to hide, then that kind of just becomes obvious. You're setting up a reality. So part of actually, you know, agreeing to accelerate your evolution by surrendering to the life principle of being called is like recognizing that total transparency is the result. That there is no way that you can, like, Part of self-will is also keeping something separate, right? Keeping something separate from divinity. Like, well, I'm, that's not worthy and that's actually too good. I'm keeping this and I'm also keeping this because, it's, because we decide good and bad. And he's saying the fastest way is give it all. Give your best, give your worst. And what you're doing by creating an altar is the equivalent to dedicating your heart center to the monad. And you're not really, all you're really doing is giving it back to where it came from anyway. 
So, you know, like it's a big deal to the self that thinks you're separate, but it's not a big deal to the ocean. Oh, another wave surrendered, you know, big deal. So when you make an altar and you dedicate to the altar and you bring your best and worst to it, you are setting yourself against the accumulation of an identity because people's identities accumulate around their best and worst. They accumulate around, I'm great at this and I'm suck at this. So those are the two things to surrender and they will keep undermining your identity on a weekly basis. Rhythmic um, giving up. And in terms of actual use, this energy, this energy that lives underneath our consciousness that is anchored deep in matter, this energy can be used. First of all, it's used to help blow the causal body, but then it's used in Shambhala as fuel that allows those energies to come in and land more fully. So in group life, it's a giving up of the soul psychotherapeutic process, which is to take light into dark and try to penetrate it and understand it and love it and heal it and bring it all into soul. That's soul work. Monadic work is different. You do not try to do that. You run the energy, let it move through the soul. It blows the soul on its way through and it opens the core of the soul so that it connects with the moment. And all you have to do to, to, to do that is to recognize that these are the same things. That what is you know, hidden down deep that you cannot control and master, that's spirit. The soul cannot master spirit. And what's up there above the soul, beyond your fixed design and the peace that you're bringing to the world and your soul purpose and is spirit. You can never understand it. You can never live it. You can never grasp it. You can never, it will never come under consciousness. It's always beyond consciousness. So when you realize that there's a darkness in matter and a darkness in spirit that are the same, and you're not preferencing one over the other anymore, not trying to control the system, you just allow them to come together through the core of you. And if a group can do that through the core of it, it's like having a, like a, like a great waste disposal vortex at the center that there's always shit going up and down, but nobody's like analyzing it and sorting it and trying to, you know, recycle it and all of those things or allocate blame or it's just, it's just happening. So, you know, I found that to be a very, um, um, you know, encouraging um, idea, you know, particularly in community. So, so the, the second thing that he said to do is if you want to accelerate your process, because remember, we're on a train, we're all accelerating, you can de-accelerate or increase your acceleration the more you dedicate your best and worst, the less of you there'll be, the more of a hole there'll be in your soul and the more the dark light will move through you. And the second way is through making demand. What he says is you can make demand on the life force. Okay, so that the heart process is more a process of surrender. I don't have a self. Everything that myself would like to grab onto, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. It's this process of surrender, of humbling the self in the face of reality, which is you actually don't, you don't exist as a separate self. Your life force comes from the great reservoir. Okay, but once you 
are in surrender, now you can demand from that life. And he actually gives a beautiful prayer that, um, that uh, Master Moria, the first ray master, gave to Helena Rorick back in 1925, which is the prayer to Shambhala. And basically the essence of it is, I'm asking for help. Like I'm in, I, I bought myself to the labor and the labor, the great labor is the world soul, is the redemption of humanity, the, the breaking of the individual addiction, you know, around the world and the flowering of the world soul. This is the great work. We're, we're involved in our individual alchemical great work and we're involved together in a great work on the planet. So this is the labor. And because it's not you that's involved in the great work, it's the life force through you, you have the right to call on that life force. So the prayer is like, come to my aid. I'm worthy of that aid. And, and there's a line in there that he points out, and it's like, because great is the darkness. And he said, you can understand that in both ways. Great is the darkness of the resistance and of the things that are against light and love and the things that, you know, are living in the human awareness and consciousness that are, you know, as dark as it gets. As great is that darkness. But great is the darkness of spirit. Equally great. The same great. Great is the darkness. So that at that point, and he said that if you embark on this journey, you know, you are you are embarking on a life of deep challenge that will require everything from you. It's like the gates coming into Haydn, a condition of complete simplicity, costing not less than anything, everything. So it will cost everything and that won't be enough. Okay, it will cost you everything and it won't be enough because everything that you have is not enough. You have to become a conduit from the great supplies from the limitless abundant supplies of the universe and of matter, that's enough. You're not enough. You never will be enough. So you give everything that you have. It's not enough, but you can demand life. And he said that, that what you will see over the next decade, or particularly through to 2049, is you will have the chance to contribute and be part of watching a miraculous victory. Okay, the victory of the world soul. And this victory is miraculous because it involves energies that we don't know about yet, that are just emerging. And so it's not in the consciousness of the status quo. There's no predictions of it. Miracles are really just energy that we don't yet understand showing its power. And so as this power comes and it reveals itself through groups all over the world that are responding to the life principle, then we will get to see the results of our labors, of our great labor, the labor of the soul of the world coming into full manifestation. So, but the only way we'll get to see that is that actually not by being a bystander, but by being in it. You know, because most people in the world will experience what happens to them with 2020 hindsight and, um, and then have their mind will come up for all kinds of reasons why it was inevitable. Only initiates know that when you have been helpless long enough and seen enough miracles, you know where things happen from. 
They don't happen because history books say that this person did that. They happen because the miraculous shows up in synchronicity so often and so deep that it eventually reveals to you that there are laws in the universe that you don't understand yet, but that you can begin to co-create with. So he's saying you can make demand on life and how you make demand on life and the causal body is you go and call in the lightning. Okay, so your heart, you surrender, but your causal body, when you go up into that jewel, you can demand, you can send up your leader, you can send up your plasma, which is your monadic ray. And there isn't a split between soul and monad. There's a split between the personality and soul, which is why hundreds of years of work, people have had to do soul work and mystery schools have had to reintroduce people to soul because people go unconscious. But the soul is not split from the monad. And the monad is the fuel and source that the soul supernovas with. So if you can go to the soul and you can get activation of your jewel from the outside or the inside, you can make demand. And that demand is sending up your current. And that current, as it goes towards Atma and the black hole of the monad, results in the release of fire, of electric fire that stimulates your jewel, shines out through your jewel to the other jewels in the crown and activates them. And now within the, the solar golden field of a group or of the world, there are now these flaming diamonds flashing forth. Like you could imagine in the human system, they're like the nervous system. You've got your blood supply and so on, but your nerves operate on synapses and electrical charge and that the will operates through your nervous system. So the nervous system of the soul of the world is diamonds. Just as actually our sun, when it, when it collapses and burns out, it will form a great diamond. The next step after that is to become a black hole. So when your sun is starting to supernova, it, the jewel is starting to be revealed. And that jewel has a capacity to draw directly upon the reservoir of Shambhala. So when we come into a group field, then there are all kinds of lotuses. And he says the hierarchy, you know, like have them all numbered and named, you know, like there's lotuses with perfume and there's lotuses with two petals open. And then there's lotuses just on the point of revealing the jewel. And, you know, like that some, you know, the inner beings must have fun classifying human beings, not from anything that we understand as our personality, but from the way our souls have unfolded on the subtle planes. So within a group field, because we are all oriented into the life principle together and because we share energy, just like we're sharing erotic energy or heart energy, we're sharing soul energy, then that allows the energy coming in to step down, circulate and allow everybody to open at the pace and stage that's right for them and their will. Okay, so there's, it's not something that's just like, it's just right for me. It's like, what do you will? Because if you will faster, you can have faster. But if you have faster, you'll have more psychological process. But you can throw that into the vortex in the middle. You know, like, so if you get used to it, you, you can go fast. You can really accelerate. What would cause you to accelerate? What would cause you to want to accelerate? And of course, you know, it is possible to accelerate just for the thrill of it. 
like just because your soul longs to be free and to feel that life force coming through. But, but that will also mean the byproduct of that is love and service because your soul is not alone. Your soul is part of a group soul, which is part of a world soul. There is no way to free yourself and not have to then be dedicated and hang around and free everybody. So even if you're an early adopter and you like the thrill of it, like the extreme sport of the soul, you're gonna still have to hang around and help everybody else later. So there's no point in doing it just to get free for yourself, but there is a possibility of acceleration because you love the thrill. There is also the motivation of love. You know, the deep motivation of feeling the weight of the world. Now, each of us can't take that on individually. And yet, because we are the world soul, it is our responsibility as the world soul. So the more weight that you take as a soul, the more life you can call to meet it. And people get overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. But they forget to make demand. Because if you're truly overwhelmed because you're taking responsibility for more than you can handle, you have the right to call upon the energy that can meet your requirements. Because if you're taking on more than just for you, you can take from the reservoir that's more than just for you. Where it doesn't match is when you're either in martyrdom and you think you're taking on more because you want to feel good about yourself or whatever, then you can't draw upon the reservoir. It's a sign, your depletion is a sign that you are not actually taking responsibility. But if you are, if your heart and your love is calling for you to play a, a more active role in the world evolution, you can call upon these energies. And then the only thing that's stopping you is whether or not your system can handle it. And that's what happened to me the first time I hired it. And that heart attack was a sign that, okay, I can call upon these energies, but you actually do have to do some work to make sure that your system is able to run the current without blowing out. You've got to take care of your physical system. You've got to take care of your emotional and your heart and all of those things. So some people go slow and sure. Other people will take too many risks and then they have to slow down. So he says, make demand according to the responsibility that you're prepared to take and make sure that that responsibility is anchored in love. Okay, so um, yeah, I think the, the next thing to say is, is, is he tried to give us a perspective of what's in it for him. Like as a member of Shambhala and this energy that's coming is that what he's trying to do is help generate the experiments for the Aquarian age. Like how to take massive groups of people through industry processes fast rather than, you know, spending four lifetimes with, you know, an individual disciple in India, you know, which, which is a, 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 the process of the Piscean age how to gather a whole bunch of trees together and forest them, like give them a sense of the whole, and then forgetting them as individual trees to transmit through them so that then they, their jewels become revealed faster and then they're able to hold fields for more jewels to be exposed and so on. So that then the golden light of humanity's soul has within it the jewels and the jewels are the future of spiritual governance the transmission of 
the blue-white fire through the jewel and the lotus is spiritual governance. That's what tells souls what to do. That's that charge that our soul feels that we call our life purpose. I'm on purpose. The living word is vibrating through me. That's coming through the jewel. So, and it's lower reflection is like a great idea. You know, when you're lit up in mind, you know, that light bulb goes off and you're inspired. That's just a small piece of um, this energy of life. So if you can then balance those, spend enough time in the causal body so you're sitting in the heart of five worlds between your monad and your body. The causal body is the heart between your monad and your body. If you can spend time there calling in the lightning and also come into full embodiment so that you're inhabiting your seven chakras in the center. He says that how you're going to respond to the life principle is by using those two centers, your heart center and the causal body. And if you can, you know, you know, move back between them, then you develop mastery of, of bringing those energies in. And the other center that's important, because remember your heart has already included your crown and your base. It's expanded now to, to integrate crown and base. But the other center that's important is when you're in the causal body is the Ajna center, which is the bridge between your causal consciousness and your heart center. And he said, this is really important when you are transmitting. And what he's suggesting for this field of people is that, that at the 10 o'clock Wednesday, um, that you make time to receive transmission. Because instead of it just being like, downloading through me and, and being shared, what we really want is lots of trees starting to come along uh, um, online with that transmission. And so he says, your altar work and then meditation. And he gives a meditation to align ourselves, get into the causal body, feel the jewel, send up the plasma. Then there's stillness and darkness descends. And then out of that comes the activation, the downward energy, which hits the jewel. And then now we're inspired. Okay. So he said, you can be inspired rhythmically once a week, right? Get, get into that inspiration, get into that moving of that current through the field. But he said, one of the biggest mistakes that people make early on in that is that like, they go up and they get inspired and then get their journal out and start to write, but then they fall into the ideas. Okay, because what the blue white fire is, it's idea essence. It's not idea or concept. It's, it's um, will pouring in from the monadic and atmic plane. We can clothe that on the mental plane where the causal body is with ideas and concepts and symbols and so on. But as soon as we get excited about them and fall into them and chase them, now we've lost the, the lightning. Okay, so he says the Arjuna Center is the, is the bridge. So, so that you, when you get into that inspiration and you feel the lightning coming in, then you get out your journal and start to write. But don't fall into the idea. Keep going back. Stay in the current. Stay in the current. Later on, you can read it and understand it. It's not about reading and understanding. It's about translating that blue-white fire into something. And he recommends in meditation when you get to that stage to ask the inner inquiry, like, what do I need to know now? 
Now, what do I need to know now? Which is not what needs to pour through me for the benefits of everybody else. He says, too early for that. Don't do that yet. Like, bring forth what's important from your, the will of your soul and monad for your body mind now. Okay, and then gradually as you get used to that transmission, then it can pour out. But don't try to take it to the marketplace or get approval or whatever, like just lend it. So as that energy comes in, use your Arjuna center to build a bridge to your heart and, you know, write, paint, whatever it is that, that clothes the energy in some form of idea or art or whatever, and then do that while the flow is still there. And then when the flow stops, have a break, you know, go be on the land or something like land grounded in your body. Use the energy to circulate through your body all the way down into your cells and atoms rather than just stay in the vibration of consciousness. And then later on, go back and read it. Go back and, and you know, listen to it or whatever, however you, you know, created with a fresh, now receive your own transmission because it's for you it's uniquely for you and then once you learn how to receive and digest and receive and digest in a rhythmic way then group transmission can start as each individual starts to be able to you know land themselves then now the group can begin to be um have be transmitted through for wider fields so that's part of the, the logistical training. And some of us will be better at causal body stuff. We'll be better at going up to the causal body and receiving impression. Some of us will be better at anchoring that and the heart and the body. Some of the, the, the group field will allow for that process to happen more powerfully and everyone to find their place in it. So once again, if you, are surrendering into the life principle you're surrendering to the miraculous synchronicity that happens in group and the other reason for not sharing what you get too early is because you don't want to you cast your gold so in other words we all know that process of like taking something out and enthusiastically putting it before the minds of others and then like feeling that it wasn't honored or recognized or valued or that we were actually seeking approval or something. So we said like, treat this as an experiment, but also keep it sacred. Like it's, it's your altar time. It's the time for your best and worst. It's the time to be inspired. It's the time to call forth the life and have whatever comes, treat it as sacred could just be a little diagram or a whatever. But if you honor that, then it will grow and then it will grow and then it will grow. So, um, yeah, that's the essence that he's saying, okay, if we're moving from a group that's been given information to a group that's actively involved in the experiment, these are some of the things that you need to do. You need to like dedicate the time and energy. You need to understand the mechanism that energy moves into your system how it moves into your system and have a context about why, why would we be doing this and what, what, you know, is the benefit for the collective to do it and then begin the practice, a rhythmic practice of once a week paying attention to it and then watch. I know when I first started to do this work, I gave it um, six months. 
said, okay, I'm going to try this for six months and I won't make any judgment about it until the end of that time. At the end of that time, I'll review it all and see whether it's been a waste of my time, um, whether it's been a glamour or whether it's been real. And in my experience, it only took a couple of weeks before I realized I was screwed, you know, like that, that the scientific part of me had to acknowledge that there was something going on that was powerful and having an effect on my environment and in my life. So however long it takes, this is a stage to, it's not a stage to go into the experiment as in the curious, but you, you have to be committed. You have to commit to the experiment, but you can hold that reservation of like, I, I want to see the results of it in my life. I want to see that actually it's making a difference, but I'm not going to pull the plant out too early. I'm going to give it a period of time. You can decide for yourself what it is a month or whatever to, to bring in your concrete mind with its scientific you know, judgment to analyze it all at the end of that time. But until then, keep that um, energy of creativity and expectation of miracles and so on open. Okay, so that's the download. And I, I love the fact that we're moving into a deeper intimacy. And he also said that if you, if you come together in a group in this, one of the things that is gonna happen is because everything's revealed, you know, because your worst has been placed on the altar, like even though it may be privately in your own room, but actually it's in the group field. So there's a deep intimacy in that of everybody, you know, feeling that energy of best and worst moving through the field and understanding that it's no one's job to judge it or work with it or whatever, but it's everyone's job to understand that that's fuel for this process. That actually, if you don't have the shit, then you're not going to get the download. So it's a, it's a beautiful reframe, you know, instead of like in the new age world, you just want to frantically not have any shit, right? You want to just be the enlightened one that's you know, clear of it all. But if you're, if you're understanding that your shit, what is, what's moving underneath your soul realms that you cannot penetrate with your own soul awareness, that's the fuel that the monad needs in order to send you the next hit of electric fire. So there we are, and um, maybe we'll set you up. Unmute everyone now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's right. Okay, so any um, sharings, impressions? Can we try the uh, meditation? Yeah, we can try the meditation. Any sure. Anyone else want to try the meditation? Okay. Actually, I need to take you off mute if you want to hear when you do that. Yeah, I need to have my computer so I can actually see it. Okay. I'll take you off mute so you can hear them if, okay. if they speak. So just get yourself ready for <clears throat> meditation. And imagine that you've already dedicated your best and worst on your altar. Okay, so let's just begin by 
um, filling our own torus, our own vertical column and our energy field. So just centering in the heart. And extending your energy to the crown and the base while you stay in the heart center. And then you can either pop out through the back of the heart or lift up through the crown. See if you can allow your awareness to come up and center in the causal body. <coughs> and you can visualize that as the golden ball above your crown on the mental plane. And then imaginatively take your seat in the lotus and radiate the note of your soul ray into the group field. Sensing the overlapping ripples of consciousness. You can visualize the group as a field of lotuses on the surface of a pond opening under the rays of the sun. A field of lotuses that make one large lotus and in its center, a radiant diamond or jewel. And then from this jewel, a beam of plasma or blue-white fire shoots straight up and disappears into a black hole.
send your soul aspiration and longing to help fuel that plasma beam and allow what energies that want to move up from your body and the earth to run up that living column of fire. Allow this process to naturally take its course and dynamically move the energies in your body if required by shaking or sounding. At a certain point, the energy beam should stop and be replaced by a profound stillness. Rest in that void and let darkness descend on the field. After a time, the central jewel will start to reactivate. But this time with the blue white fire pouring down the beam and electrifying the whole field, like lightning dancing between the jewels, revealed and unrevealed.
This is where you can see if you can feel that jewel at the center of your own lotus and make demand through it for life. Where do you need more life? So take time to simply receive this activation and then transmit it back within the ashram and out into the field of your own life, your connections and your work in the world. And now turn your attention to this inner inquiry. What is the peace that I need to know and ground at this time? What's important in all this fire for me to know and ground at this time? Extend an energetic connection between the lotus and your heart center and open your Ajna center at the third eye as a mediating point. Allow the energy of lightning in the jewel to begin to clothe itself in images, symbols, ideas, or words that you can begin to record in your journal. Try not to fall into the ideas or get stimulated by their meaning, but stay connected to the energy of the idea essence and the causal field of the ashram.
So continue until the flow stops and then circulate the energy through your chakras, your energy system, flowing through and stimulating the nervous system, the blood supply, the physical body, your altar, and through into the earth itself. Okay, so, you know, the idea is to maybe take an hour every Wednesday to be in transmission process as an experiment for yourself. Um, and try not to use the time for, you know, your novel or, you know, something that's your agenda, like actually offer it so that you go empty without intention. Um, and so you can actually receive what is wanting to land rather than what you want to receive. Um, yeah, it's kind of like we're an electric car or whatever, and there's a weekly plug-in, you know, that the, this is one of the ways of making sure that we plug in together to current and, and keep the livingness and the life um, going. So we can just see that as a regular maintenance rather than, you know, being eager to produce things. But if there are things that come through that you feel like are relevant to the group field, then you can share them on the Mercury Transmission Group. Okay, so lots of fire and energy. And of course, we still have all of our embodiment practices to land in the ecstasy of the body. But this is definitely... Uh, um a process of lifting up into the realms of consciousness and calling in electric fire so i don't know what the time is but let me just see yeah we're not going to have time for much discussion but um maybe next week we'll be able to do that and people will have experimented more with this and so there may be more to share and maybe less people. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So thank you for your willingness to be in this experiment and uh, much love till next week. Thank you. Thank you.